watching KCMI-TV. Well, thank you for joining me. And uh, I want to pick up today in our podcast on really where we left last week. And of course, our text verse was Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. So we're going to go back and read that verse again. Uh, if many of you have your Bibles, they're in your homes. Uh, you can read along with me. But verse 1 of chapter 12 in Romans, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And so um, as I read this verse and I was reflecting on it, a lot of times when I get done with the podcast, uh, the Spirit of God will keep talking to me. And many times there are things that I hear God say that I wish that I had been able to incorporate in that podcast. So hopefully we'll be able to build on last week. And uh, Paul here begins to speak and he said, I beseech you that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice unto God. And, and I was thinking on that and uh, he was saying a living sacrifice. And of course, in the Old Testament, when you begin to study the sacrificial system, every animal was required to die. And it wasn't, it, it was the blood that God needed to be shed. And of course, we know that the blood of the animals, the bulls and the goats, did not cleanse God's people of their sin. It just covered it. And so every year, those animals had to be shed. And then Jesus comes along. Hallelujah, our high priest. And the Bible says that when Jesus became the sacrificial lamb, that his blood, he went up into the holiest of holies in heaven and he put his blood on the mercy seat. And the moment his blood hit the mercy seat, the high court of heaven and father ruled that never again did an animal have to die or a human for sin because the blood of Jesus didn't just cover our sins, but now he cleanses us from all sins. And so here Paul now is writing and he's, it sounds like he is again talking about the sacrificial system. And he's saying, I need you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. I'm thinking then why would Paul talk about a living sacrifice when Jesus Christ has already filled the mandate that heaven required of sacrifice? And it was not our blood that Jesus was after because his blood had already been shed. So what would be the sacrifice that God would want from me and you that would not require our death and yet truly is very, very difficult to give to God? You know, there are some things that we can give to God that are not that difficult, but oh, there's one that if God doesn't get that, he might, you might as well just take back all the rest. And what God is asking for us here, what Paul is talking about, I believe, is God is telling us, I need you to give me your will. And boy, when you start talking about the will of a person, that's a whole different subject. And so when we reflect on this and we think, God, why would you want our will? And so we have to go all the way back to the book of Genesis because when you think of a will, then you also think of choice because will creates choice. 
It's something you choose to do. I will do that or I won't do that. And so when was man ever given choice? Then you have to go back to the book of Genesis. And here you have Adam and Eve standing in front of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God's word has already said, not only don't eat of it, don't even touch it. This is why the Bible says, don't just abstain from evil, but abstain from the very appearance of evil. And so God's word has already declared, don't do it. It's funny to me, I guess it's really not funny, but how people make the word of God so ambiguous. And it's like, well, the Lord didn't really mean it that way. Uh, there's a reason this book's in black and white because God is black and white. There is no gray in God. This book is not open to our private interpretation. And so they're standing there, and of course the devil is saying God didn't really mean what he said. And that day, fellowship between God and man was broken for 4,000 years because of man's will. He chose to do something opposite of the things of God. And so I want to, uh, giving God our will, oh, it's such a painful process. And so I thought it would be good to go back to the book of Luke uh, in the 22nd chapter. And um, this is where Jesus is praying. And this is very intriguing to me that you would think that anything that the Father would have asked Jesus, he would have had no problem with. Because in, in one passage of scripture, if, if I have it written down here, in John the fourth chapter, verses 34, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he said, you know what fulfills me? You know what completes me? He said, my meat, or what, what fills me up, satisfies me, is to do the will of my Father. And all through the ministry of Jesus, he was doing the will of his Father, and he took great joy in it. And yet now we find him in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he, in verse 41 of Luke chapter 22, hallelujah, says that he was drawn from them, his disciples, about a stone's cast. And he kneeled down and he prayed. Oh my, it always moves me to read this passage of scripture. We have no idea the pain that Jesus went through that you and I might have peace. And what a setting. Here God in flesh, Jesus himself, is feeling the weight because he understands the prophecies. See, I, I, I think that part of this difficulty that we're going to read of, you know, sometimes we can do things for God because at the time that we do them we, or the sacrifice that we make at that moment, we don't realize what it's going to cost us. And later on down the road, you think, oh, would I have done that knowing the, the weight uh, that it put on my life? But Jesus knew 
what he was getting ready to encounter. The prophets talked about, they said, they're going to pluck the beard out of his cheek. They're going to beat him within the inch of his life. Soldiers are going to stand in front of him and clear their throat and spit on him. They're going to slap him. And then he's going to be crucified. So he's feeling drawn. Don't you love those times when God just draws you, hallelujah, into the presence of the Lord? It's those moments that the Father wants to make a deposit in you. And Jesus is feeling this, this weight. He's hearing the Father say, Son, I need to talk to you. And so he comes and he begins to pray. And the Lord begins, the Father begins to speak to him about what he wants him to do. And Jesus said this, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. I have noticed that this is a natural trait. Sometimes God will ask us to do something. I mean, I've had God ask me things that were difficult. It might be giving somebody um, some money that is in great need, and, and it's a sacrifice to you because you need it. It might be um, going to prayer. It might be fasting. There are different things that God can ask us. The first thing that we will do is try to barter with God try to get him to change his mind. Now think about this. Jesus is without sin. He is God robed in flesh. But he's still a natural man. And the first thing that his will did was try to get God to change his mind. He said, God, if you will change your mind, and take this cup from me. And God was holding him a cup of suffering and Jesus was looking at it and he says, I see what's in the cup. He said, please don't make me drink this. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Now other writers record that Jesus actually prayed three times. And the scripture says that um, he prayed this, not my will, but thy will be done. And it, it took so much out of him. There is such a war going on between Jesus' will and the Father's will. The Bible said that there, the Father had to send an angel unto Jesus from heaven in verse 43 to strengthen him. It is literally pulling the life out of him and he goes back into prayer, and the Bible says he's now in agony, and he's praying with such earnestness that the scripture says that the capillaries in his forehead, the small blood vessels begin to break, and they mixed with the sweat. There was such an intense physical encounter here going on that Jesus, he's in sweat, he's sweating, and uh, the he can there's such pressure the will of man does not want to die and he rose from prayer and he found his disciples sleeping and and he said you know he said it's all it's all over and in that setting jesus 
surrendered his will to the Father, and he went to Calvary, and that was the will of God. Sometimes the will of God for your life doesn't seem like it's beneficial to you. But God's purpose, and this is what gives me great confidence, as long as I know that I am in the will of God, I am safe. It doesn't matter what kind of storm rages around me. All of the years that my wife and I struggled in ministry and and drove old broken down vehicles and wondered when we went to a meeting, would our vehicle make it? And just all of those times, yet I knew that if I was in the will of God, and this is what God was asking me to do, that ultimately I would be all right. I don't drive a vehicle anymore that I have to worry about if it's gonna break down. Because God rewards those that diligently seek Him. So, the will of God and the will of man will always be in battle. The Bible says this, it says the carnal mind is enmity or it hates the things of God. And uh, when they asked Jesus about prayer, he said, when you pray, pray this, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, what? Thy will be done. Just because you're doing something that looks spiritual doesn't mean it's the will of God. How many times have you and I seen somebody who cloaked their own personal ambition and called it the will of God when it never had anything really to do with God? It's what the will wanted. Your will will never want the things of the Lord. This is why Paul says, I need you to sacrifice your will to the Lord. And I, 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 wasn't, I really wasn't intending to share this with you, but my wife has given her personal testimony. And as m many of you know, many years ago, 20-some years ago, my wife was in Great Depression and to the point that she would stay in a dark room and I would go in there and lay hands on her and pray for her. And, and uh, we didn't see any way out. She didn't want to take medication. And finally one day she, she was asking the Lord, she said, God, what is the root of this? Always remember this, symptoms of something are never the root. And if you're having symptoms in your life, you have to go to the Lord and you have to pray and you say, God, show me what the symptom is or what the root of this is. And she said, Lord, what is the root? Why am I so depressed? Because she had traveled with the Gaithers. Uh, she flew on a private jet. She sang before thousands of people. People wanted her autograph. And see, that's what the flesh likes. And uh, most of the time, we want God's will to be our will. We want him to give up what he wants. and we are, Somehow our will always comes out on top. Somehow when our will is, is fulfilled, it makes us look good, makes us look happy, but sometimes being the will of God, you won't be happy in the natural realm while you're doing it, but you're, you're advancing the kingdom of the Lord. And the Lord spoke this to my wife. He said, your will is fighting 
against my will. And he said, when your will gives in to my will, you'll come out of this. It wasn't long after that, God called her into the homeless ministry. And she went from singing in the Georgia Dome and around the world to a sweatshirt and jeans underneath the bridge in Nashville, feeding people that smelled, had illness problems, mental illness problems, but they were God's creation. And she's told me, she said, I've never been more content and more happy than I am when I'm down there ministering to those people. Jesus said this. He's, in fact, I want to read this to you because I think this is a very powerful scripture. This is in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. And he said, many will say to me, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit here. But he said, we'll say, didn't we prophesy in your name? And we cast out devils in thy name. And we did many wonderful works. And Jesus is going to say this. Depart from me. I never knew you. Because what he's saying is, you didn't do those things to advance my kingdom. You used me to advance your own. One verse says, now we know that God does not hear sinners. It says, but, I'm looking for the verse here. But if any man this is John 9, 31. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, God will hear him. This is the biggest battle that all of us have as Christians, is we want God to sanction our will instead of taking our will and putting it on a cross and saying, Father, as Jesus did, not my will, but thy will be done. If Jesus, without sin, went to almost death for his own will to acquiesce to God's, it's not going to be any easier for me and you. When you read many of the writings of Paul, he will start out, he'll say, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. One of the biggest problems that has plagued the church over the years is we have too many people who called themselves to an office and God never called them. Well, I pastor, I preach, I prophesy. You can't call yourself to an office. You can't use your will and say, well, I, I like that. That puts me up in front of people or that does this. Only you can only fulfill in your life what God's will is for your life. And Ephesians says this, that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will, with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So I want to encourage you. This is a long process, but you will never be more strong, more happy, more content, till you finally lay down the things that, you like, that you felt like, well, 
God must like this because it looks great. It looks spiritual. Listen, not everything that's good is, is the will of God. Find the will of God for your life, regardless of what it is. I would end by saying this. It's not what the will of God is for my life that makes me happy. It's doing the will of God. As long, whatever God comes and asks me for now, I don't even question him. You know, we pastor a great church, but I can tell you if the Lord came and said today, I want you to turn that church over to somebody else, if I knew that was the will of God, I have no problem with that. Because my joy, as Jesus said, your joy is to do the will of our Father. God bless you. Hope this has encouraged you today. I'll see you next week. For more information about Kent Christmas Ministries International or Regeneration Nashville, go to kentchristmas.org or regenerationnashville.org. And for the latest updates or videos, follow us on Facebook and subscribe to us on YouTube. God bless you.